You're listening to the Comic Crusaders Podcast. I am your host, Al Mega, CEO of Comic Crusaders and Undercover Capes. In this show, I'm sitting down with creators from all walks of life to talk about inspiration, process, the lessons they've learned, and a whole lot more. Wepa! What up, everybody? It's your boy, Al Mega. Welcome to a brand new Comic Crusaders Podcast. And folks, I got a show for you today. Why wow, I got an amazing, amazing individual here. He is an associate professor of psychology at Farmingdale State College, right? And along with his colleague, Dr. Gordon Smith, they actually wrote a book you could get right now, folks, on Amazon, right? That's about leadership in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It is called Leaders Assemble Leadership in the M. See you. And let me tell you the way this book is broken down. I mean, you think you can't like uh, just a generalization. Oh, no. He breaks down like a leadership themes throughout the films, whether you're a team member, an individual, or, you know, within the team, who has the, the, the right and could take the lead at that point in time. I mean, how do you even identify that? Because all of this, you know, I mean, this is about life, you know, even though you don't consider yourself a leader, even as he states here, we all are leading in some way, shape or form. So let me bring on the big homie himself, the Superman himself from the colleges, about to put on the world to how comic geekiness teaches you leadership. The one, the owner, Sai Islam. How you doing? <laughs> I'm good. How are you, Al? That that is, you know, I got to record that, and I have to do that at the beginning of any class, just so I can get. The class really pumped up. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great intro. Thank yeah, you. A, I was sad. A crowd in the back goes, Ty, Ty, Ty. For real. Like, thank you, brother, for, for doing this wonderful book. I had the, the pleasure of, of perusing, you know, something of, 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 of the book a little bit and mm. seeing how the book is broken up and, you know, the themes behind it, the ideas and concepts. You know, a shout out to you and Gordon for putting it together because I think this is something very special that not just comic fans will enjoy but you know business leaders finding a fun way you know that, I'm calm I know every CEO is watching a Marvel movie even though they deny it <laughs> you can learn something you know, it's, it's, it's a culture right it's such a weird thing because when I was a kid growing up uh, I, was a, I was a geek from like 6 or 7 years old reading comic books uh, getting them actually on spinner racks, which don't don't really exist anymore. I don't I don't know if you ever missed that. Please like, don't tell me you had that miracle that 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 mystical Seven Eleven with a spinner rack. Anybody telling me of the Seven Eleven? I never had a Seven Eleven with a spinner rack, so I have mm-hmm. no idea of that spinner. I have no newsstand spinner racks. <laughs> Mine wasn't a Seven Eleven. Mine was actually a newsstand. There was like a little card shop uh, in town. And my dad would like tell me like, hey, if you get good grades, I'll get you comics. And he was he started losing money because I was like, all right, if if I'm gonna get comics yeah. for good grades, I'm just gonna keep uh, knocking out uh, good grades. And, was there tears? Was there yeah. tears that A means five books, or B means three books, you know, and F means no books? <laughs> so uh, I come from a, a strong line of Asian Asian dads. So no, there was like it was like look, you get A and you get something. Anything below that, you get nothing. So, oh, you know, wow. I, I don't know if you've ever seen that meme with like the Asian dad where, you know, B, why not A? Or, you know, 99, <laughs> why not 100? That's that's definitely, definitely my dad. So, oh, well, <laughs> listen, I grew up, I had a lot of Asian friends, trust you mm-hmm. me, I know. And again, you know, some some uh, Latino parents, it's, it's tough. Yeah. What you mean? You, you mean you got a B? 
What do you mean? I mean, that's the best. No, I want A for astounding. I'm like, oh shit, you knew that word, Dad? No. <laughs> that, that's right. That's right. I mean, they're 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 pushing you. It's like immigrant parents. You know that that's what they knew, and especially for for you know my parents, they only made it to this country because of education. So that was like that oh, was wow. all they knew. You know, my uh, my father grew up uh, without his own dad. He lost his father at, at my grandfather at four years old, oh, and we're from originally from Bangladesh. So um, my parents, uh, my dad specifically uh, ended up getting a scholarship. He went to the University of Nottingham in the UK, did his Ooh. PhD there in biochem, and then ended up uh, moving from there to uh, Madison, Wisconsin. So going, you know, as what? far from, from you know, tropical landscape as you possibly can. But the only thing that got him there was education, was working what? hard and studying. So. What? Okay, I need to know this. We're getting into all your stories where you're from then, slowly, mm-hmm. but out of all places in the United States, I mean, New York, Cali, Florida, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He chose Wisconsin? He he didn't choose it, so he, oh, he applied did. for jobs. He applied for, like, postdocs. Okay. He, you know, traveled from – he got this uh, what's called a postdoc where you work in a university in a oh. lab uh, until you get a get a real job. So he ended up coming to New York initially. My parents and my brother stayed in a YMCA uh, wow. for about a week until they could go to, um, you know, for, probably for a little bit longer than probably about a month or so before they got to Wisconsin. And then, you know, they have all these pictures of them in Wisconsin just covered in snow. And <laughs> you're you know, like, what the like, hell am I getting to? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there is some snow in South Asia, but it's really you know like up in up in the mountains you don't you don't see it you know in in the delta which is where bangladesh is it's you know more the weather is more like louisiana than than it is Ooh, anything else I got you. Yeah. that's some so, good weather kiddo yep, yep. so big you know they're they're used to monsoons but not you know snowstorms so. uh, well, oh god damn you know what i'd rather have a snowstorm than a monsoon bro <laughs> i think <laughs> I don't I can't, bro, don't mess with me, bro. That's some scary sh- Nature is very scary, folks. Um, so did you grow up in Wisconsin, or was there more movement after that? I did not. So after after Wisconsin, my parents moved to New Jersey. I was born in New Jersey. And then, uh, wait, wait, wait. Did your parents kind of uh, go together to Wisconsin or met they in did. Wisconsin? Oh. No, they they went together. My, my parents are childhood sweethearts, so they're – Oh, hey. Uh, They've been together a really, really long time. So, you know, they they went to the UK. You know, my dad went to the UK first and then brought my mom along and then they went to Wisconsin together. And then um, they ended up moving to New Jersey, which is where uh, I grew up. I grew up in Edison, New Jersey. So they they actually, you know, moved to Edison. Edison is now known as like a hub of like South Asian, meaning, you know, Bangladeshi, (laughs) Pakistani, Indian people. When we were living there, uh, when my parents moved in, it was still, uh, you know, there weren't that many brown people around. It was still, oh, brother. you know, and then they opened the floodgates, I guess. I don't know. Bro, you're not lying because when I was a kid growing up in Greenpoint, um, mm-hmm. one day my friends got in trouble um, and I went to the precinct and I was making a big hubbub in the precinct being loud. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I was kind of militant back then, <laughs> if you will. Um, and... You know, and I'm saying what I'm saying. And one of the cops said, you know, made some comment about, oh, I wish people never came here. I said, oh, this is why y'all mad, because we're taking over. Mm-hmm. He goes, that's the problem. I'm like, oh, where? 
He goes, you know what, guy? You got five minutes to leave. I'm not even going to be locked up with your boy. That's so you look, I got to work tomorrow, officer. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It, usually people don't say it that openly. Oh, but, no, no. Uh, he said it in the precinct. He wasn't outside. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. I'm on his turf. And mm, it's like, you mm. know, I'm outnumbered. What, what can little old Almega do? <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and like you said, being brown, even in the 90s, was dangerous. So it's like, okay, mm. l- let me not push, you know, buttons further. My friends are okay. You know, mm. the, their parents got lawyers real quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that's and, and that you saw that a lot growing up. It, it's a, uh, it still has hasn't changed a whole a whole lot. But that's when they got yeah. worse now, because now I, at least back then they used to frisk me. Now they shoot you first, apparently. Oh man, yeah. No, got You got to be careful. Uh, yeah. At least absolutely. back then, you know, not, not that that's uh, excusable because I was getting frisked every weekend. So I mean, mm. did you grow up in New York? I I didn't. I grew up in New Jersey. Where I mean, I mean, in Jersey. Jersey. Well, I mean, Edison, New Jersey. You're, you're next yeah. door. I mean, car jacking, you know, all that. Yeah. You know, either that part, Edison, and other parts yeah. like Hoboken, Hackensack too. Yeah, the 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 greater crime areas were probably around Newark, like Elizabeth, yeah, which Newark, was a little yeah. north of us, and in New Brunswick, where I went to college. I went to Rutgers University. Uh, there was definitely police presence there, uh, especially you know if you were a college kid. Uh, you had to be a little careful about the cops. Uh, Friday, Saturday, just night. a tad, just a tad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just had to, you just had to know where where you needed to be uh, so, to to avoid that kind of thing. And just so, put your head down. You see him coming, like, all right, this is that. Uh, I ain't doing nothing, officer. The, uh, don't, don't, right. don't look at him in the eye. Like jailhouse rules, right? Don't look at him in the eye. Just yep. Right. Go ahead, officer. Yeah. <laughs> yep, absolutely. All so, right. So, uh, so growing up, what was that fandom like? Because you're in Jersey. Mm-hmm. So, you know, did, did you, how did you grow up there with the fandom? You know, mm-hmm. uh, what was that first taste of it, honestly? What was the mm-hmm. first one that, that you remember falling in love with and uh-huh. did you ever find a tribe? So the the fandom started with my brother, uh, who's he's much older than I am. He's about 12 years older than me. Um, and he had a huge box of comics. And, you know, he was trying to – he and my parents were trying to get me to read more. Uh, and they were like, oh, maybe, maybe he'll like these, he, you know. Uh, your brother likes them, maybe you'll like them. And I remember the first book I read was uh, Mighty Thor, I want to say number 138, has a, a picture of the gray gargoyle on the cover, uh, old John Cusama cover, and it was really, uh, I, thought was, I thought that was pretty good. I was like, oh, this is really interesting. I like this. Uh, this is kind of fun. And I've always, I, I think I've always loved Thor because he was like my gateway into a lot of those um you know, into a lot of those characters. Yeah. And growing up, um, I had a couple of friends that were really into comic books. Some of my other uh, Bangladeshi American friends were really into comic books. Uh, a couple of friends in school were really into it. And I used to do a lot of uh, bargain bin shopping at a local flea market. I don't know if you, if anybody even wow. remembers that flea market, you know, thing where you would go and you would just discover stuff. Uh, I bought a bunch of, like, Jack Kirby wow. Black Panthers uh, for like under ten dollars, it was like almost his entire run. Yeah, what? Yeah, the person selling them had no idea. They was like, oh, these were in my my the good old run. days, yeah. bro. Yeah. I used yeah. to have flea markets on the hood with it. You mm-hmm. know, it wasn't called a, a block party because uh-huh. it was it with the intent of people to sell, you know, get rid of their shit. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, they used to have people selling gold key comics, old school Marvel oh, wow. comics, and I mean for ten cents. So, I, mommy, yeah. let me get a dollar. We'll get ten books. You know. Wow. And I mean, I I wish oh, I kept all of that stuff. Damn it. Yeah, I I was not I, I was not a collector until like the '90s, and like all my old comics, I beat up because I did what you're not supposed to do with those comics. I read them, 
you know, I, I read you, them, reread yes, them. Sir, you you know. can read them, which is fine. But please don't tell me you were one of those cats that would roll it up and put it in his back pocket. No, no. Okay, no. okay, okay. You're not that disrespectful. No. Okay. No, I, <laughs> I put them into my book bag, and they got beat up that way. And you uh, know, darn uh, textbooks. Yes. They were so big and heavy back then, yes, smooshing yes. out paper covers like that. Yep. The 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 paper bag covers, and they just got got smushed and. You know, and I remember now. Now that I'm talking about this, I I remember there used to be a huge <laughs> flea market in New Jersey on Route One. There's a Ooh. big movie theater there now called the AMC um, Route One in New Brunswick, and that used to be a giant flea market. And you could go there, you could get a ton of different books. Actually, if you watch the movie Mallrats, I'm pretty sure you get um, Kevin mm. Smith takes you to that uh, flea market. And I I used to right. go to that flea market, nice. and you would be like, wow, this is you could get all sorts of very cheap comic books um and it was it was great it was a really fun thing i would ruin my mom's attempts to get like really good deals on clothes by being like (laughs) hey i'm gonna go to this comic book store i'm gonna take five bucks and come back with like 20 issues of something um so it's it was it was a lot of fun and you know back then it wasn't it's really interesting watching fandom now because Mm -hmm. i don't know if you feel this way but like when i was younger being a comic book fan was like it wasn't it wasn't cool at all. Nobody nobody talked to you about like you know being a Marvel person or DC person or anything like that. It was all like oh you're a nerd, you're this, you're it was, that. It had to be a specific clique, if you will, of people yeah. <laughs> that 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 you could speak to. Otherwise, unlike nowadays, mm-hmm. no, you know everyone everyone nowadays is a damn comic book fan. Everyone. Yeah, yeah. I but mean, we have an Ant Man like movie. Said, well, Right, Ant Man. Right. I mean, I mean if you had, if I enjoyed you it me, though. <laughs> I enjoyed yeah, it. Though. I, I like that one. <laughs> I like that movie a lot. And and if you told me as a kid, like, oh, we're, there's going to be a good Ant Man movie, I would have looked at you and said, you're out of your mind because right. we couldn't even get like a good Spider. We couldn't get Spider Man. Bro, we couldn't uh, get going. Fantastic Four right back in. No. Roger Corman. Yeah, like, whatever, um, whatever. Like, yo, Mr. Fantastic ain't so flexible. What's wrong with him, bro? Yeah, yeah. What's, <laughs> what's going on with him, right? And you couldn't even, you know, you couldn't imagine getting those movies off the ground. So this is, you know, now I'm I'm watching the fans and I'm kind of seeing the conversation and I'm just grateful for you know really good comics and really Preach. good movies, right? Preach, bro. We're in the golden yeah. age of this awesome awesomeness of, of comic book film and TV. And the whole thing is that it's not just a specific brand, but mm-hmm. across the spectrum. Because we get mm-hmm. Marvel, DC, Valiant with Bloodshot, right? Yeah. We got independent projects. I mm-hmm. mean, come on, yo. It, it, it's, it's a wonderful time to be a nerd. Yeah. And there are things that I don't even – I didn't even realize are, are based in comics that sometimes end up being based in comics. Uh, oh. there's a, you know, there was like the David Cronenberg movie with Viggo Mortensen a few years ago, History of Violence. Oh, yeah. I watched the movie. The book. Right, and then I was like, "Oh, this is a comic." And then I read the comic. I was like, "How did that?" You know, usually it's the other yeah. way around. But, Even uh, that recent J Lo movie, I think mm-hmm. Owen Wilson, right? Uh-huh. That, that's based on a web comic. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, but, but and then this lady was trying to talk about it allegedly. Oh, this is based on my own life. No, it's not. It's based on a web comic. Like, stop that's... lying, lady. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's surprising sometimes. You know, even what was the other one? The one with Tom Hanks, the uh, the mafia, or Road to Perdition. That Road was to Perdition, yeah. Yep. You know what I mean? So again, you see these very non traditional things, and you're like, oh, this is like a cool movie. Like, and then you find out it's a graphic novel. What? Yeah. What? How did that happen? 
know? It, it's amazing. All right, so now let's start talking about then your journey beyond the comics then. I mean, mm-hmm. so you, you, you're this kid being a comic fan, you know. Yeah. You have an Asian dad that's telling you, but it'd be A or nothing, kiddo. Yeah. And so did that mold you to go into the direction of going into psychology and stuff like that? Like, what so, kind of led that? That was not the plan at all. So when I was in Whoa. high school, <laughs> yeah, when I was in high school and college, and hopefully left, this folks. is something that, like, if you have younger listeners or parents of, like, teenagers, hopefully this helps them. But uh, I thought it was going to be a South Asian stereotype. I thought it was going to go to medical school. My brother, my older brother is a doctor. My, you know, just to give you a sense, I have a lot of doctors in the family <laughs> really leading into into that particular stereotype. And I was in college. I was a bio major. I uh, did an internship in uh at a hospital and i hated it i was like this sucks i don't i don't like this This is not like the er tv show at all i don't like this this is not this is not the vibe that i thought i was gonna have and you know i I looked around i was like you know what else can i do and at the time i was minoring in economics uh so i decided you know the only reason i'm majoring in bio is so that i can go to medical school if that's not in the cards i'm switching majors i'm gonna take an extra year in college and figure out what i'm gonna do so I graduated with a degree in economics uh, and ended up working um, at an educational company uh, that did test preparation uh, called Kaplan, pretty, okay, pretty well known Kaplan, in, the, yeah. in the Northeast. And, yeah. um, you know, and I started doing stuff that was kind of related to human resources. So I was doing a lot of recruitment, a lot of training, um, you know, a lot of hiring. And I was like, oh, I kind of I like this. And uh, I decided that, you know, I, I did that for a couple of years. I was like, okay, maybe I'll, um, maybe I'll go back for my MBA. And I decided to do an MBA in human resource management. And my first class in my MBA program was a class called Organizational Behavior, taught by a, uh, a, a gentleman who had a degree in industrial organizational psychology. And I really liked that organizational behavior class. I was like, this really fits. I love this. This is cool. I like thinking about how organizations, teams, and individuals kind of work better together. And I asked him, like, hey, what, what do you think I should do? Because I really like this. I'm kind of enjoying the MBA stuff, but this seems to be a, a bigger passion. And he said, you know, you're already in the MBA program. Why don't you also do a master's in industrial organizational psychology? And I thought to myself, I, I didn't know any better. So I was like, sure, I'm doing one master's. Why not two? Uh, that oh, makes damn, sense, bro. You know, um, which I, if anybody asks me, don't don't do two master's degrees. Just, just do one. That, that's enough. Uh, is, is, is that why the tips are turning white now, bro? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. That's, that's definitely, definitely why. Uh, so I did this master's in, in industrial organizational psychology, and I really loved that. I loved the, the field. You know, that's a field about the psychology of work, figuring out how to make people, you know, uh, more effective in the workplace, lead more effectively, you know, manage teams more effectively. And I said, you know, I, I really like this. Um, I really want to take this all the way. So, so let me do a Ph.D., and so I applied to do a PhD at uh, Hofstra University, and that's okay. how I ended up in, in Long Island. Uh, I finished my PhD in 2012, Woo! and then ended up getting a job in uh, at, as an asso- assistant professor at the time at Farmingdale State College. Uh, right, and wow. I've been here ever since, and and really enjoyed it. So uh, very little planning. Uh, I don't, you know, with my students, I don't tell them to go through the same process that I did. I I'm very careful to tell them, hey, <laughs> you should plan things out. Let's because organize this a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You should, you should think about it a little bit more. Um, put more thought into it than I did because I kind of like really was set in the, in one path and then ended up well, you know what? It, it, you know? I, I think that that's just how it is. Um, mm-hmm. I was supposed to be on this 
path of being a media personality or a journalist mm-hmm. since high school, apparently. Mm-hmm. But I never, I, I didn't listen to it, mm-hmm. and then come full circle, you know, mm-hmm. twenty odd years plus later, <laughs> and then like here I am being the media personality journalist that mm-hmm. my dean at the time told me mm-hmm. I should have been doing because um, I worked, I, I you know, in the high school I was going to in Brooklyn. It was a, a vocational high school that had the cooperative education program. You know, work one week, mm-hmm. go to school one week, and obviously in order for you to make a credit, you had to write reports. She loved my report. She goes, oh, my God, you're the only person in this whole grade that writes to the point. You're like, you don't go circles. You're mm-hmm. not trying to entertain me. These are the effing facts. This is how she told me. These, these are just the effing facts, and you get it done. Uh-huh. You need to be a journalist, Alex. You need to be a journalist. Mm-hmm. That's what she told me. Trust you me. That's what you need to do. I mean, mm-hmm. I haven't. I, I hardly ever pick up the pen, but I'm starting to get the itch again. Like, okay, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things I want to start saying. When I see mm-hmm. people like you sharing what you've learned, you know, via those organi- you know, organizational stuff and, and me just perusing that first chapter, it's like, damn, I really need to read this. I mean, that's just because, you know, I'm a comic fan, but the key points there. Mm-hmm. So talk about the, the early origins of this amazing book. I mean, folks, look, look, first of all, look, how, look at the dope presentation. Look at this sexy cover. I'm going to bring it up right now. Look at that, folks. Oof. Ooh. And, and that's what I love, exploring effective leadership. And I think that's the key mm-hmm. word there, effective. Mm-hmm. You could explore leadership any which way. Sure. But not every leader is an effective mm-hmm. leader. So yeah. let, let's talk about that journey and mm-hmm. you finding those effective mm-hmm. bullet points, if you will, not just uh-huh. through your own personal journey, but mm-hmm. how you find them in the mm-hmm. MCU. <laughs> so the way this started is my my friend Gordon uh, Gordon Schmidt. He's my co-author on this. He's a salute, a Gordon. <laughs> Doctor Schmidt, you rock. Yep. You know, good job. Right. He uh, he actually just started a new job at the University of Louisiana in Monroe. He uh, left Monroe you? University. No, he. So we're at two. We've always been at two different universities. Oh, so okay, he was okay. at uh, Purdue University Fort Wayne. Now he's moved down to uh, University of Louisiana Monroe. And he and I are huge nerds, and so we were always just talking to each other about, you know, Star Wars stuff, Marvel stuff, Star Trek, whatever. And then we heard about this book series uh, from Emerald Publishing uh, called Exploring Effective Leadership Practices Through uh, Pop Culture. And we submitted a proposal to them. They'd already had a book about Star Wars. They had a book about Lord of the Rings talking about leadership. And we thought, you know. You mean uh, this website right here that has your book right right there, number one? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so they have all of these. So not just, you know, Marvel stuff, but if you're into Harry Potter, which is what my wife loves. She loves Harry Potter. If you're into Lord of the Rings or if you're into Star Wars, we got you covered. Uh our book is Marvel because that's what we really we really love, and we were just thinking like you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is like the number one pop culture thing that's out there now, and it's really cool to be able to uh, talk about uh, this stuff in this context, and it really fits in well with how I think comic book fans and Marvel Cinematic Universe fans how they talk about things because you know we always had those debates as kids who's stronger. You know, Hulk who's smarter, Thor, right? Who's, who's smarter. faster? Yeah, uh, right, right. Know? Who would be a better leader? You yep. know, uh, and uh, so many things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I remember Gordon and I had this conversation about specifically the Avengers from the comics. Who did we think was like the the best leader? And we actually uh, both really love um, 
I don't know if you remember um, Photon or Captain oh, Marvel. Of course I know Photon, absolutely. Yeah. She was such a good Avengers leader. I mean, not not to take anything away from Cap, not to take anything away from Iron Man, but we really loved those stories with her as a leader. We're like, she was great, and I'm excited to see her. And it was a time movies. that you see a, a, a diverse character, mm-hmm. both colored and female, mm-hmm. yep. you know, being the lead of, yeah. like, Marvel's, you know, A-list prime yeah. team. I mean, not back then, though. I mean... I think Avengers in that era was probably second place to X Men. <laughs> yeah, yep. and X Men started that too with Storm, right? Storm being a leader, yes. you know, is, is huge at that time. Yeah. And you know, I've actually always been drawn to a lot of those characters that come from those different backgrounds, mostly because when I was growing up, I didn't really see characters that look like me, and the characters that I really gravitated towards. You mean both uh, of them? You know, those those Black Panther issues, those Jack Kirby Black Panther issues are so important to me because he, you know, despite not being from that background, he took that character seriously, he took the setting seriously, and he wrote, like, a great adventure comic, he wrote a really honorable character, and you were like, yeah, this this guy is awesome. And that made it so much more fun when That's he came back in the 90s. That's right? what happens when you have a creator that's mm-hmm. from a diverse place that mm-hmm. is aware of his surroundings versus creators yeah. that aren't, you yeah. know? So Kirby was very you know, uh, present in the moment, mm-hmm. understanding, okay, this is my surroundings, so why shouldn't it be in the book? Same thing, you know, with, with yeah. Don McGregor back then that also wrote mm-hmm. Black Panther, and yeah. he was very aware of, of, the, of the political climate then and mm-hmm. made sure that, you know, that book you know, had that focus. I mean, mm-hmm. come on, he got fired because he put Black Panther versus the KKK. Yeah. And, and Don McGregor's answer tomorrow was, well, you asked me to put more white people. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, you... I, this is coming from Don's mouth. That's what he of told course. me. Yeah. And, when I, and when I spoke to Don. He made me laugh for that. He's like, "Yeah, they canned me for that." I'm like, "What?" Hey, you know that's that's what you wanted to see, though. You really wanted him to. You wanted to see that. And then it was great when Christopher Priest wrote Black Panther, and he did like just wild stuff, like oh, destabilizing yeah. the economy of the entire Marvel universe. I was like, "That's incredible!" <laughs> right? Like that's yeah. that's power, right? That's oh yes, yeah, son. That that's somebody you know that's somebody even Doctor Doom has to respect right like oh Doctor Doom will take off his mask and, hold on homie you gotta see the, <laughs> my face on this one like yo good shit yo damn <laughs> that's a gangster place son you see yeah. folks you see what I'm saying here this is what I mean about Sai he is a fan and he's really writing from that both psychological and fan perspective so you could see these so talk about how you started like. Putting it together with, 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 with homie Schmidt over here, man. Yeah, yeah so, so the way Gordon and I did it was we kind of broke up the chapters into different topics that we really wanted to talk about. So I wrote a couple of chapters about Black Panther. Uh, you know, Gordon wrote a chapter about uh, Iron Man and uh, being an authentic leader. Uh, I also wrote a little bit about Captain America being a servant leader. So what we did was... We Ooh, wait, oh, oh, wait a minute. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. I wanted to bypass that comment. Okay. <laughs> a servant leader. What, servant what, leader, yeah. What does that mean? So a servant leader, this is actually a very popular leadership theory. A servant leader is somebody whose main focus as a leader is to kind of help their uh, their followers or their subordinates do the work in front of them. So their job is to serve them so that they can get things done. Because we know that, you know, leaders that aren't as good or aren't as effective, a lot of times they take on the work and they say, look, I I don't need you to do it. I'm going to do it myself. 
And that's really a bad leader, right? You know, the leader needs to be able to get their team, get their folks together and say, hey, I'm going to accomplish X, Y, or Z, and and they're going to do it. And Cap is really a great example of this because he's always doing things to make sure that his team is is effective, that they're able to Okay. Do what they need to do. So in the movies, you see uh, when even before he becomes, uh, you know, Captain America, Steve Rogers jumps on the grenade, right? He's going to put himself on the line to to do that. When you see him with the Howling Commandos in the bar, he knows that the Howling Commandos are going to be his team. He buys them all a round of drinks, even though he himself doesn't really partake, mm-hmm. right? Both because he physically cannot get drunk and because he never really seemed like a big drinker, even before yeah. – you know, he, he I mean, became, if you can't get drunk, why waste a good <laughs> bottle of stuff? Come on. Yeah. yeah Maybe for us, we people, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that's a good question. I wonder, I wonder if Captain America can get high in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, well the, so. way, the way, okay, if you think about Flash, and Flash uh-huh. is a character with a fast metabolism, I mean, some scientists had concocted something that he got drunk for one minute, that's it. And he's like, okay, ooh, oh, all right. And then he was like, okay. That's being drunk, but maybe there needs there needs to be something out there in the MCU that mm-hmm. equate that like okay, Cap, I know you can't get fucked up, but maybe I could get you messed up for for sixty seconds. <laughs> Try this. Yeah, even even his even his hangovers aren't don't last that long. <laughs> yeah, there we yeah. go. <laughs> that's, a, that's a true superhuman. <laughs> Bro, I wish I had that power sometimes. Whew. There we go. Yeah. So, you know, but this is really, you know, when we were watching these movies again, we really saw so much happening in terms of leadership, in terms of how we thought about leadership. And a lot of times, you know, when we talk to people, you know, when I when I talk to, you know, organizations or companies or even individuals about leadership, a lot of times people get caught up in this idea that you need a title, right, that you need to have the title CEO or manager or something like that. And in our book, what we really want people to realize is that leadership is about influence. You can have influence in all sorts of ways, and we can see in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that people who aren't really seen as leaders, they can lead, right? So in in Spider-Man No Way Home, uh, Peter Parker, the youngest of the Peter Parkers, is able to lead because he's got some experience on a team. He's mm-hmm. able to explain to Tobey Maguire and to Andy Garfield. Tell me that what the hell is in Avengers? <laughs> yeah, like what, what what are Avengers? How do we how do we work together? He's able to concoct that plan. But it's not because he has the title that, oh, I'm, I'm Spider-Man. They're also yeah. Spider-Man. He has the knowledge, the expertise, and so they're able to defer to him and say, like, hey, great. So that's all part of that influence process. And so you could have a, you can have a title. You could be, you know, a manager. And we've all had bosses before that we never listened to because they didn't have that ability to influence. Yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've all been there as a fact. Now I'm I, I'm gonna guess here that mm-hmm. one of the chapters you did in the book was the second chapter because they are talking about Wakanda and Asgard and mm-hmm. leaders influence transition succession planning mm-hmm. you know navigation I mean wh- where did you pick the, the tidbits up front man you know sure. how, where <clears throat> give give me some teases here <laughs> of course so you know big thing in the Marvel Cinematic Universe but and, and also in uh, in the comics, is who's going to lead Wakanda? Who's going to be the Black Panther? And so this is really important in organizations because you have succession planning processes too in big companies. You know, you know that somebody's not going to be the you know the manager or the leader there forever. 
right? So as a, you know, for example, as like a Yankees fan growing up, everybody was like, who's going to take over after Joe Torre, right? Who can, who can lead the Yankees to other Who could have, be as magical, as magical as Big Joe, man? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'm a Yankee fan, but come on, bro. There we go. There we go. I had a feeling. I had a feeling. Right? Salute to my big homie Joe, man. <laughs> There we go. Yeah, I'm Tori. Oh, you see the hat right there. So that's, that's right. Yeah. So phenomenal, you know, phenomenal leader. So you have to ask yourself, how do you do that? And so in Black Panther, this is a great way of kind of illustrating what makes those processes so important is they have a set process. They have an idea in mind, but sometimes those processes can be hijacked uh, because Killmonger, he challenges uh, T'Challa and he ends up winning. He ends up being a leader. And, you know, after that movie came out, there was a lot of discussion about Killmonger being like, oh, he, he's right in a lot of ways. His idea is right. He knows that, you know, Wakanda should be doing more. That becomes a big part of the movie. But the difference between him and T'Challa is that he's going to put himself before the nation, before the people. And that makes him, you know, a, a terrible leader, whereas T'Challa is able to you know, one of the big things that makes him a great leader and actually allows him to win this battle for leadership is he's able to take an enemy like M'Baku and turn him into an ally. And that's really one of the things that we see about great leaders is that they're able to get across the aisle. They're able to connect with people. They're able to say, hey, this is this is what makes me, you know, a great leader. Um, and this is this is, you know, let, let's connect on something. Let's build something together that really sets people apart. Uh, from from what you might imagine uh, a great leader being. So even though somebody has a great idea, that doesn't necessarily mean you're able. You're the one that's going to lead everybody mm-hmm. to accomplish that idea. You still have to have those leadership skills, those leadership capabilities. And usually, across a lot of leadership theory, usually we think of two big things that leaders have to do. One is they've got to keep their team on task. They have to be able to like divide up tasks, tell people here's what you're going to do. That's something called role clarity. Like, oh, I need to know what my role is on this team. Can you clarify for me what I need to do? Good leader is able to do that. The second thing a leader is able to do, usually within um, most leadership theories, is they're able to maintain those relationships. They're able to maintain healthy uh, relationships with the team. They establish what are called norms or unspoken rules, and those rules are what what get enforced within the team. If they're unhealthy norms, the team doesn't function as well. So if you're, mm. you know, doing the right things, treating people correctly, you're going to reap the benefits of that as a leader. And we get to see a ton of those examples in uh, in the MCU. Yeah, you're not lying there. Yeah, you treat your people good, they treat you good right back. That's that's a fact. But, you know, I think a lot of leaders are dealing with something nowadays, right? And it's in your sixth chapter. Mm. You know, dealing with stress. Uh, mm-hmm. crisis impact, mental states, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that affect our ability to be effective leaders and what can we do to recognize when that's happening to circumvent any potential problems? Yeah, absolutely. So one thing that le- good leaders have to do is they do need to recognize both the experience of stress that they're going through and the experience of stress that a lot of other um, you know, their team members are going through. And you're hearing a lot about this now because of COVID. So, for example, my wife works in a, in a school, um, and schools are hotbeds of stress right now. Teachers are feeling stressed. Administrators are feeling stressed. Of just you, you can't point. talk a certain way. You can't say certain mm-hmm. things. You know, And there's, you know, things going about in the world, you know, mm-hmm. COVID, poxes, this and that. Mm-hmm. My God, yeah. gun violence. Yeah. I mean, 
I think they, being a teacher is one of the most dangerous things I face. Almost as dangerous as being a cop or a firefighter, I swear. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, they're, they're just a flashpoint for everything right now. And so as a, as a leader, you kind of have to manage your own stress so that you know when to take a break, when to, you know, give a task off to somebody else. But then you also have to watch for your own team members to make sure that they're not overworking themselves and that you're creating a space in an environment where they are able to get the rest that they need. Uh, we're seeing this a lot now in healthcare where, they're literally in, in, you know, they've been in this emergency situation for a really long time, and we're trying all sorts of techniques, all sorts of ways to kind of get more people into the healthcare system to support doctors and nurses as they go through this process because they're burning out. So, you know, we know that when people are overstressed, they experience something called burnout, and they they go through all sorts of psychological processes like depersonalization where they're not connected to their work anymore. They feel isolated. They feel alone. And it impacts their work. And in many cases, uh, it, it impacts not just the work, but also their health, their overall health. Your you know heart health is strongly associated with things like stress. And so there are tips in the book about kind of how to manage stress. We see a great example of that with uh, Tony Stark and Iron Man. He, you know, one of his recurring themes across the movies is that he's got PTSD. He's got a lot of stress and he never really knows how to manage it. Uh, in Iron Man 3, for example, he tries to build as many armors as he possibly can to try to protect himself. which is not not really a healthy way to be. And so by the end of that that movie, he's kind of decided, like, hey, I'm not going to worry about building up my armor. I'm just going to try to be the best person I can be, try to manage my, my stress. And so that's one of the big things that we see uh, among leaders is that they kind of have to figure out what works for them in terms of stress. But leaders also, generally speaking, they're high-achieving people, uh, people that tend to become leaders. Uh, they're type A personalities. They, don't, they may not know how to take the foot off the gas. So it's really important for them to recognize what experiences they're having in their own bodies and then saying, like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to take a break. I don't need to respond to that email right now. I'm going to wait. I'm yeah. going to wait a few hours. I'm going to wait another time, and I'm going to do it at, at See, this later time. I think Post Malone said it best in his line, mm-hmm. I work so hard I don't know how to vacation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that is actually, yeah, that's actually very true of, of workaholics. Uh, you know, somebody who like checks his work email on vacation. I'm guilty. Hey, babe, give me a minute. Give me. Oh, not even like they turn around for me. Like, oh shit, hold on, let me see what's going on. (laughs) Right, you know, and I hate that. I am very guilty of that behavior. Um, I can't help it. Mm -hmm. I know I have a team, but I just love what I do so much. (laughs) You know what I mean? That it's kind of hard for me to test. But see, but I recognize that I need the break. Mm-hmm. But it's about taking the break, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's I haven't chosen break, that. Yeah. It's like okay, every time I think I want to take it, then there's always a reason why I can't today. Yeah, yeah. So at least at least you've recognized that about yourself, and you can start to say, well, okay, I recognize it. I need to take the time off. And one of the one of the big things good leaders are able to do is they're able to structure work. Right, you can delegate the task to somebody else if you have to, especially if you have a team that you trust. Um, and if you feel confident that they can get the work done, you can have that away message and you can take a step back. Oh, I know um, they can. I, I'm more than happy. Um, mm-hmm. I try very mm-hmm. hard on weekends to do. <laughs> I can't be off of it, but I, give me an hour or two just to just peruse, fix, 
Mm-hmm. And then I'm happy for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's like I have to every day. My wife tells me this all the time. Like, does it have to be every day? I, it's just there's news every day. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I just just give me an hour. This is why I try to even wake up early sometimes and just do it before the family's up, so it doesn't yeah. interfere with their time. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, I don't know if that's an approach that you talk about, but just being able to divide that time, I think, is so very important. And that's well, another it, thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's very true. Like work-life balance is also really, really interesting for leaders, right? Work-life balance, we we sometimes think that there's like this hard line between like, oh, I was at work and now I'm at home, but now during COVID, nah, everybody, you know. When I'm working from home, you're I'm, in both. You're in both. <laughs> you're just like, oh god, we're, you know, so you what's where's to... the line? Oh my god, right? <laughs> yeah, you, know, you go crazy, but, son. I, yeah, crazy. but I'm glad you got like a, a real time frame where you give yourself that limit. Where you say, okay, this is the hour, this is the work time, oh, yeah. and then the other time is oh, yeah. family time. Or On weekends, time. I put a hard stop. Like, mm-hmm. okay, so wifey gets up. I said, okay, so what she's up. You know, we're doing our thing, and she's doing her thing to check up on things. So, all right, so I'm going to give myself an X amount of time to do as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Once that time comes, comes I stop. Stop! Mm-hmm. And and I'm done for the rest of the day. You know, guess whatever, it's your time. It's not my time yeah. anymore. You know, and then the next day I do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then weekdays yeah. I go hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So as long as, as long as you find a balance that works for you, uh, you know, that really varies from person to person. It does. Right? Um, and it, it changes, right? Like I always, when I'm talking about this stuff in class, I tell my students, like Drake has this line where he says 40 in the studio late night, every night. And like, Oof, that's yeah. something that he, he, he loves, right? He wants to be in the studio all the time. And so it's not really a burden for him. So you have to find <laughs> that balance for yourself. Yeah, um, you do. And especially as a leader, you have to kind of figure out what the balance is, not just for, for you, but also for your team yeah. and kind of listen to them about what they're, what they're comfortable with. I think having a family is what really helps me want to balance the time. Because if I was a single man, I think there would be no balance. <laughs> it, it, it's funny you say that because I remember before I was married, before I had a, had a kid, uh, the way I used to work, I look back at that. I'm like, man, I cannot go back to that. <laughs> I have too many other responsibilities. It was lost stuff, right? It was yeah. That's a it, lot it, of it, stuff. It's crazy. But again, you know, this is where why we've reached the goals we've reached thus far. Mm-hmm. You know, we put in that time when we had to put it. You know what I mean? And now that we know how to manage time, fantastic. Now, there's another thing here. People look, people compliment me on being authentic in, in my passion and love for this. Mm-hmm. So how important is it to be authentic as a leader? So that's really interesting because authentic leadership is mostly about finding what works for you and, and kind of being true to yourself. Because a lot of times when people talk about leadership development and becoming a leader – they're really talking about, oh, here are the things you've got to do. You got to, you have to be like Elon Musk. You have to be like Steve Jobs. You have to be like so and so. And you know, a lot of times those things are not really true. They're not applicable because Steve Jobs is a great leader, but even he wasn't always a great leader for Apple, right? Yeah. They they fired him, and it's actually good that they did because he wasn't the right leader at that time. Yeah. Um, when he came back, he brought a different vision, different idea. He came back reinvigorated, you know. Yeah, and he then he was the the right leader for that moment. And so being authentic as a leader kind of means like, oh, I need to be the be myself, but also I have to be able to engage in those good leader behaviors. We see this also with uh, with Tony Stark, who, you know, he's kind of an ass. He's he's kind of like really jokey. <laughs> Um, you know, he's, you know, in the beginning, an, an Iron Man, he's, he's sleeping around. He looks like he's got this great life, 
but he's really unhappy about a lot of things. And so because he's not really living the way that he wants to live, even though he's living a life that I think a lot of us will be like, wow, this is awesome. You're just hanging out, you know, sleeping with whoever you want. That's not really what's making him happy. And it took this experience uh, in Afghanistan to, like, change his attitude, change his perspective, change his view. To almost die, like most people, right? You know, they they see the lights, you know, their story in front of their face. Okay, I got to change my life, like, right now. (laughs) Absolutely. And so much of, like, the story in the MCU is about uh, Tony Stark learning how to be both himself but also being a great leader. Right. Uh, not necessarily a leader like like Captain America, but the way that he sees himself leading, because he's great on those technical projects. Right. You're never going to put Captain America on a technical project to produce something to defeat Ultron. But, you know, you put Banner and Tony Stark together. They'll come up with something together. They'll come up with a plan together. They'll right. have a way to manage that situation. And so Tony just had to kind of accept that about himself and then maximize what made him a great leader. And that's what we really want in authentic leadership is really finding a way to be your, both yourself and then to highlight the things about you that make you a great leader. All right. So I, th- th- you have another chapter here, which mm-hmm. is the 10th chapter, mm-hmm. you know, a very hot topic, of course, you know, in, in today's day and age, you know, female leadership and, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, how women could be relegated to supporting roles in both the MCU and real world to inclusive theories of what a leader should act, look or act like. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about that whole chapter here and how you see it within the MCU and mm-hmm. yeah, and kind of emphasize on it in the book. So I'll, I'll mention something that Gordon and I discovered uh, because as part of writing this book, we had to rewatch all the movies, right? Mm-hmm. And as we were rewatching the movies, what a research project, honey, you know. honey, <laughs> it's research. You, promise, you actually, right? this is actually very accurate to what happened in my home, where my wife was like, "Why the hell are you watching this movie?" And I'm like, "This is work." You know, I've got a, I've got a notebook in my lap, and I'm like, "This is work right now." Honey. I'm taking notes. You know? <laughs> I gotta rewind now. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta, you know, I just missed something really important. You know, I need an extra hour. <laughs> so, so when we were rewatching these movies, one thing that really happened uh, for us was we noticed we're like, "Oh, you know." Uh, Infinity War happens, the blip happens, and all of the male leaders, like Hulk goes off and goes to therapy, Iron Man starts a family, Captain America starts doing uh, kind of mental health work with veterans, Uh, Thor becomes Fat Thor, I guess. Uh, (laughs) He's too much meat. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, all the all the male leaders go off. They're all like too depressed to handle everything. And who does it fall to to manage everything? It's Black Widow. Black Widow is the one that is running the Avengers for that like five year blip. And this actually embodies a lot of interesting things that we see in leadership research. Number one, many times when women are are given leadership roles, they're given leadership roles in bad situations. This is called the glass cliff. You might have heard about the glass ceiling where yes, women and minorities yeah. can't make it past a particular level. But many times when women especially are given leadership roles, they're given roles where, hey, things are bad. I guess we're going to hire a woman to do this uh, leadership now. And Ooh, so it's really interesting to see wow. between Infinity War and Endgame, she's running things. Things are not great, but they're also not terrible. And she just doesn't have all the support from all the male leaders that were that were there, all the male members of the Avengers. And so it's really interesting. Gordon and I were talking about this, like, hey, Black Widow might be a really great leader in this. 
we see, um, you know, we see great leaders in, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy. Gamora has a lot of good ideas. She's able to put things forward very, very well. Uh, We know that uh, in the Ant-Man movies, Hope Van Dyne is able to influence a lot of things that happen with her father, with, uh, with Scott, and she does a great job. But we really, you know, we were very surprised to find out, like, yeah, Black Widow, during this time period where we're not getting a lot of movies, she's showing some real leadership. She's really leading uh, the superhero community in a way. And the sad part is that once all the guys get back, you know, once, you know, Ant-Man comes back and says, hey, I've got a solution to bring everybody back, she's back to being a regular member of the Avengers. She's and then back all to being other- a secretary like Wonder Woman was back with the JSA, right? One That's of the right. most powerful members relegated to secretaryhood. That's right. That's right. And so so we see that. So this is one of the things that like you can identify all sorts of different leaders in the MCU. I think that's also what made the Marvel Cinematic Universe so potent and so popular is that people can see themselves in it. You know, it's a franchise where eventually you're seeing somebody that looks like you in uh in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is very exciting. Now, I'm a team leader. Mm-hmm. I got a wonderful team, not just one, but two, Comic Crusaders and Undercover Capes. Now, you have a particular chapter, your 12th mm-hmm. chapter, Nick Fury, Professor X, Magneto, being looked at as examples of how leaders go about recruiting and selecting members. So mm-hmm. how do you do that? Because, again, here, you know, basically you uh, we're advised on how we select team because it's based on mm-hmm. goals. Is mm-hmm. that true? Is it based on our goals or or how am I selecting the team? How, mm-hmm. how do you see it within the MCU? So, you know, uh, Professor X is probably the one who selects teams in the, you know, the most haphazard way. He's really just recruiting mutants. And then out of that group of mutants, he's saying, well, you have these mutant powers. Here's a mission that you can go on that matches that those mutant abilities. And that's the thing. If you have a certain type of work, uh, and you know you're looking for a particular type of person to do that work, then that's that's how you really want to recruit and select people. One way that you can actually, you know, send out a, a message about who you're recruiting is by having a strong brand image and mm-hmm. really having an idea of who fits in with the kind of work style that your uh, that your team is working on. So if you're if you're part of a, a group or team that has a very set schedule, you need people there at a particular time from nine to five, and things are very stable. Those are the types of people you want, the people that are going to be consistent, that are going to be showing up at particular time periods. If you need really creative people that may not be on a traditional uh, nine-to-five schedule or something like that, those are the types of people you really want. What we really want to do is we want to identify people who are going to be a part of the team based on the skills that they have and what they're bringing to the team, right? In the same way that Nick Fury, he knows he needs people to defend Earth. He starts with... Uh, you know, he thinks Iron Man might be a good fit. He, you know, tries to reach out to him, but he actually rejects Tony at one point because he realizes that Tony is not a great team player. He is too much into himself. He's like, nah, he's not He's not really going to work. He oh. recruits Cap because he knows Cap has worked with teams before. He knows people respect Captain America quite a bit. And he has other people on the team that already know how to be uh, team members like Hawkeye and, and, and Cap is selfless as well. That's another yeah. thing I think when it comes yeah. to Cap's leadership and everybody, mm-hmm. he's a very self. It's not about him. It's yeah. about us. Mm-hmm. Kind of like my approach. It ain't about yeah. me, people. Mm-hmm. It's about us as a whole. Succeed. That's why we shout out my team, kiddo. Yeah. 
of course. And and it's good that you're giving a shout out to the team. They need to be recognized in order to, you know, to really feel like they're they're members of that team. Right? But they're more than members. We I always say we're more than that. We are a family because mm-hmm. we take care of each other. We, we we support one another. We speak to one another mm-hmm. outside of comics. You know, that's great. We connect on more than just that. So that, mm-hmm. and that's also a part a, a, a great mm-hmm. part uh, of owning something and you know leading okay. by you know just. Building a family feel environment, mm-hmm. you know, everybody yeah. feels welcome, everybody right. feels loved, everybody feels appreciated. That's great. Yeah, that that that's what you really want to see. Do you take them out for shawarma after defeating the Chitauri? Uh, let me tell. I, I wish we would get together all of uh-huh. us, but we're so scattered across the world. Uh-huh. I mean, I got see members in the UK, Australia, uh-huh. Germany. Mm-hmm. You know, West Coast, down south, up mm. north, the central <laughs> U.S. Wow. It's like, okay, so hopefully one day, mm. one day there could be a real-life Crusader Con. Like I'm going to do a, yeah. a virtual con, and I want you back. So okay, I sure. Talk more about this along with some comic people because mm. this is so great. I, I love this whole topic because mm-hmm. leadership is important. I mean – but look at this wonderful community we have, you know. There's mm-hmm. some bad seeds out there that show divisiveness, but then there's some great seeds out there that are about togetherness. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's follow the leaders, you know, mm-hmm. that, that are trying to promote the best and, and most positive things for us. Mm-hmm. Like the big homie Sai here because he's killing it. I mean, you have this wonderful book available now, right now, on Amazon. For Let me, let me tease you again, look. Right there, folks. You go to tinyurl.com slash Amazon MCU. All right? You got to pick this up. All right? Now, I promise we're going to have to talk about this. I got Let me bring this up. Because you, you know, not just, you know, an author, but you're also an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yep. Talk to me. What is talentmetrics.io, you know, workplace science, people analytics, driving mm-hmm. your business, consultations, a consulting firm? Mm-hmm. Kiddo, oh snap! Ooh, I love it. Talk to me. What is this about? Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, not only am I a professor, but one thing that a lot of uh, industrial organizational psychologists do is we also consult with organizations. As you can see on the screen, there these are some of the companies that we've worked with. Mm. Uh, you know, some you know giant faceless corporations like IBM to weirdly enough sports teams. Uh, yeah, even Mary Kay, bro. Jeez, look at yeah, that. Yeah, Little little, nice. little bit of work with them, so you know Smile. we nice. we end up working with a lot of organizations, uh, and what we end up doing is basically three three big buckets. We do uh, training and development, so I facilitate uh, training around diversity, equity, inclusion, and a few other topics. Uh, I also do some executive coaching, so I meet with leaders and help guide them through uh, some challenging and difficult times that they might be facing. And then the last uh, bucket is we do what's called people analytics, where we take data that organizations have about their workforce, and we try to relate that to uh, business outcomes. So things like sales or, you know, we try to help organizations create uh, pre-hire assessments so that they can hire the right people for a particular job. Oh, how yeah. do you even put all this together, kiddo? Mm-hmm. Okay, wait, especially that pre-hire assessment. I mean, mm-hmm. I did this maybe a few years ago when, when <laughs> some people that, so I'll, I'll say it, man. When comics gators were trying to break into CC, but we don't support mm-hmm. that because we're about comics are for everyone, period. Mm-hmm. And if you have any type of divisiveness, we're not with you. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, how how do you even create something like that, an assessment, if you will, a pre-assessment? 
Sure. So some some pre-assessments are, are, you know, some of the more basic things are just coming up with what are called structured interviews. So structured interviews are questions that are related to the job, okay. asking around uh, very specific skills. Um, you know, that's that's one of the key things that we look at when we're looking to hire people is we want to know whether or not they can actually do the job. And then we try to figure out whether or not they're going to be a good fit. Uh, some of that might also be uh, using like a questionnaire or a test. So sometimes you can develop a skills assessment. Uh, oh, so you were responsible for all those tests I was taking? <laughs> Probably. And when yeah, I was looking for work, a couple of I mean, though, but though I, I killed every one of them. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the first times in my professional, you know, career, mm-hmm. you know, outside of this stuff, mm-hmm. that I had like a handful of offers, and I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I get to choose my own path for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> I never had that opportunity, kiddo, mm-hmm. like to have so many offers, and mm-hmm. it was based on those tests. And I guess mm-hmm. I smashed each and every one of them. Yep. So, yeah, then if they're if they're designed well, if they're designed effectively, you can actually figure out who might make a good team member, uh, you know, who might be a good fit for your organization. Uh, you know, a lot of that also has to do with in one of the things we do with organizations. We also help them recruit. Some of that has to do with, like, connecting with, you know, students as they're graduating from either college or graduate oh, school. Some of that okay. is about uh, developing relationships with organizations, you know, so, you know, if you're an engineering company, you're looking to hire more diverse engineers, connecting with, you know, an organization of black engineers, connecting with an organization of, you know, female engineers, that could be a way to kind of improve that pipeline. So there's, you know, those are some of the things that we've worked on and some of the things we're Mm -hmm. able to do. We also do what are called, um, employee engagement surveys. So if you want to know how your workforce is feeling, you know, how they're, you know, how, how motivated they are at a given time or what their experience has been, especially during COVID, that was one thing that we were doing quite a bit to find out how <laughs> we're gonna, you know, how employees were feeling. Yeah. The chain. Well, you know what? We know how Elon feels about this time. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't happy. Get your asses back to the office. What you talking about? <laughs> I I actually wonder how many people are are going to continue with uh, with Tesla if he pushes that very hard because the expectations have really changed about work from home. Well, work from what? home. You know? Guess what? If yeah. if the job does not require you to mm-hmm. be there and you could do yep. stuff remotely, yep. if it's not a physical job, what's the problem? Yeah, I'm connected to your VPN, Elon. What uh, what's the problem, son? Yeah, for real, I don't get it. Yeah, and, and you know what? It, it help us save money. Do you not see yep. that rents are going up, food is going up, and gas is ridiculous? Yep. And and it's like I don't see these jobs saying, okay, come to the job and I'll I'll pay half your gas on top of it because it's so yep. expensive now. You know, they did that made people feel incentivized, but you know, yeah. you gotta incentivize us. You yeah. guys, you know, companies have now seen people can work from home. Because mm-hmm. not everyone is irresponsible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, yeah, and that really changes the you know changes the mindset of it used to be oh we need forty hours from you, and now I no. think the mindset might be shifting to well we need this work product if might you can get do. it done in under forty. You know? I've seen four day work weeks really yeah. become a thing. Yeah, you know where mm-hmm. families you know they they put in their time four days mm-hmm. in the week. Done, mm-hmm. you know, they yeah. rocked out, they they, mm-hmm. they, they contributed to, to mm-hmm. the greatness and overall uh, contribution to the company, and they mm-hmm. have time for themselves and their family. 
that work-life balance, as we mentioned earlier. I had the four-day work week, and now Mm -hmm. I don't. But guess what? I got such amazing hours (laughs) that... It's like, yo, I don't need the four-day work week based on the hours I got. I work from 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. And then you see that an hour, you know, an hour before we even met, I was already mm-hmm. off work getting ready for you. It's like, okay. Yeah. And, and then, you know, my spouse work, is working so wonderful. And then by the time I finish, she finished, we good, and it goes family time, you see? There we go. Folks, time management, figure it out. Absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. And if you're lucky enough to be able to do that, you know, I think that attitude has changed a lot. I I think some companies are pushing back on that because they've invested heavily in in real estate and uh, office space. But how about companies save that effing money, save that rent money, Mm -hmm. save that, you know, buying furniture and and equipment? You don't need to. You can save money. Yeah. I mean, working from home is cost-effective for any company. Maybe mm-hmm. have a warehouse if you are a company that ships stuff. Of course. Yeah. Or even then, you could be smart enough, get a mm-hmm. secure stocking location to house your shit, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically, you know, a la car. Hey, okay, bet. All right, this this stocking location, you got this. Send it out for me. Thank yeah. you. I mean, nowadays, you know, think smart, you know? Don't work too hard. Think smart. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, that, absolutely. You know, what is it? Scro- Scrooge McDuck in DuckTales used to say, you know, work smarter, not harder, right? Yeah, it's a fact. He was swimming in them coins. I mean, he must have some rough skin, though, because, you know, <laughs> yeah, for you to just dive in like that, bro, yeah. us humans will be turned into trash. If we yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I dreamt about doing that as a kid, and then I remember you putting my hand bro. into a, into a, like, just a jar of, of pennies, and it hurts. Yeah, you oh, know, oh, you yeah. did that too, and you're like, yo, let me yeah. see something. I'm like, oh, damn, wait yeah. a minute. It, just, it did not feel good. I was like, oh, like, that's... You can't swim in money. Screech no. duck, you're a liar. Unless yeah. it was dollar bills, and I mean, we were talking something different. Then you got to worry about paper cuts. So that's, oh, that's oh, oh my thing. God. <laughs> you mean, yo, that would be such a horrible, ter- uh, a horrible movie. Someone yeah. dives into a bit of money, and as they're swimming, they're just getting sliced everywhere and just yep. bleed to death in the money. <laughs> They drown in money, literally. That's, That's like funny. a parable waiting to happen. <laughs> Size, I'm going to be your next book now. You know, uh, no, many but, ways to die. <laughs> it, it's funny and you diving. mentioned that because uh, Gordon and I are working on another book about leadership. Oh, uh, this time, leadership? yeah, this one, this one about Avatar: The Last Airbender. So, what? We're, we're big Avatar: The Last Airbender fans, and so we we see a lot of leadership stuff in there. Why uh, get out? Yeah. So you're going to yeah. turn this into another lesson uh, of leadership yep. within that because uh, again what you did with the Marvel stuff what you guys I mean have mm-hmm. done with the Marvel stuff is dope because again you didn't focus on any one movie but uh, as mm-hmm. a whole and now each movie is different again individuals yeah. teams you know and so mm-hmm. forth country leaders yeah. I mean you got you got everything you, you mm-hmm. guys murdered this I think it's an absolutely entertaining read right and, 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 and when when did this baby drop it dropped today, actually. Oh, snap, yeah, folks. Today, you that? So. I'm telling you to get it on the day it dropped. Get it. Yep. First prints available today, folks. First yep. prints. Yep. Now, Cy, are you or Gordon going to be doing any type of conventions where we could meet you and, and, and get a signed copy or book signings anywhere? We actually we don't have any book signings or conventions set up just yet, but I will let I'll let you know if that happens. You yeah, we're we you know, I'm gonna try to submit something to New York City Comic Con. We'll see if they'll, they'll they'll take it. Uh that's like pie in the sky stuff, but there's some local cons 
before I had the book, I I did uh, a couple of sessions at Eternal Con in uh, in Long Island. Oh, you did but, Eternal? Uh, I know Eternal. Nice. Oh yeah, great, yeah. I'm, great. You know, this is this is 2018 or 2019 pre-pandemic. So yeah. I'm hoping uh, to get to some local cons at some point. But we need you to show up. We need you to show up. We need you to bring a whole bunch of copies of this beautiful book. I mean, look at that. Who did the cover on this? So I I actually don't know the the publishing company has a um has somebody has a graphic designer and I I don't know who it is but they did a great job they, they kind of took the I don't know if you remember in, in the first Avengers movie they have that moment where they turn the you know, circle the camera, scene yeah the circle scene yeah so I think that's built off of that so, it, it, um, it, it, it's it's gorgeous cover I definitely need this book in my life and on myself. Yeah, my myself looks empty because uh, I'm in the process of packing and I'm moving soon. But right. hopefully the next time you come on, mm-hmm. you're going to see my pretty library and, and, and your book will be there. Hopefully. I need awesome. to sign copy, Cy. All right. I'll have to, you know, I've got to, I got to find a way to sign one for you. <laughs> uh, and send it your way. That, you know, so yeah, definitely. Where, where are you moving to? Staying in Orlando? I don't or? know. We're staying in Florida for sure. Okay. Probably an hour or two out. Uh, here because rents are ridiculous just like every part of the country uh-huh okay yeah okay. my my business partner lives in winter garden i want to say or oh, um, winter park winter park yeah Guess which is what? weird because why does florida have a winter park right but what's yeah. funny is i am like two minutes <laughs> no, that's park. funny I'm in Alafaya Trail, you know, Waterford Lake. Oh, okay. Winter Park is right there. My daughter went to Full Sail University. That's where she graduated oh, from this okay. year. Oh, yeah, congrats she, to her. That's awesome. Yeah, so again, you know, winning everywhere as a family, which is what's great. great. You know, support your kids, you know, you know yeah. push them, push them, push them on whatever it is that they want to do, not what you want them to do. Um, which is key. But, bro, you're amazing. Can you give us one last piece of advice here? Based on your journey, your creative journey, your fandom journey, and and putting this amazing book together and putting it out today. I mean, look at you're a daddy, kiddo. Hey, <laughs> happy Daddy's Day. Yeah, yeah. Who, you know, who, who knew? Who knew somebody would let me? You know, have a kid with them. Who would have thought? Hey. Uh, <laughs> but I, you know, I would say that one one thing I've learned um, that I think is important, and this I think this also relates to leadership, is if you. Um, if you put good stuff out there, I think you'll get good stuff back. And that, that includes like whatever you do on social media that, you know, whatever you do in, uh, in your work life, you know, if you're putting good things out there and you're trying to be honest and, and forthright, uh, and you're following that, that passion, I think that's really important to kind of have that. If you're putting that good stuff out there, you know, whether it's with your team, whether it's with, you know, uh, people that you work with, whether it was with customers, I think it comes back, you know, uh, even even better than before. So as long as we're keeping, you know, we're putting good stuff out there, especially I'm seeing that more with younger fandom. I know we like to crap on fandom a lot as like being really, you know, full of, you know, toxic folks, but we're, we're really lucky. Fandom now is in a better place than yeah, I think it's been in a long time. Listen, so. A lot of fans enjoy what they enjoy. Um, not everybody loves that toxic type of, uh, of uh, <laughs> uh, messaging that happens sometimes in the social mm-hmm. world. I mean, I stay away from it completely uh, myself. Yeah. Like, if you want to bring that, I'm going to just easily block you. I don't want mm-hmm. no part of it. Um, but it's true. Um, a lot of kids are just accepting of each other's fandoms, mm-hmm. as, as we all should be. Yeah. Who cares if you don't like it? You know, convince me why I should like it. And if you can't, 
it's okay. I'm not going to trust you anyway. It's just not for me. For now. Yeah. For now. There's a lot of things, you know, I wasn't a big Star Wars fan as a kid, but then Rogue One came out and I, I, I turned around all of a sudden. Even my wife to this day says, I thought you didn't like Star Wars. And I, and then I answer, watch Rogue One. <laughs> I'm not going to watch it. Oh, well, then, you know, then you're not going to understand why the hell I fell in love now. There we go. Yeah, I mean, there, there's something for everybody. And it's it that, like, growing up when I did, and, you know, early 80s through the 90s, uh, that change is really important. I think that's made made a huge difference. And I think that's that's why why there's so much geek culture now out there is because it is it does allow people to, to join in. It does give everybody an opportunity to uh, to be a part of it. And there's nothing better than that. That's what that's what conventions are about. Agreed. That's what, you know. Bro, this is what I'm saying, bro. People look at social media as, oh, this is the platform where people discuss comics. No, it's not. It's conventions. Go to a convention, and all you're going to see is 150% love and positivity mm-hmm. from every single person there. So I don't understand. Like people want to hide behind the social media thing. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, like you know, you know, these people just you know trying to, I guess, uh, make up for something else, but um. The community as a whole is really positive. Yeah. I've seen it. I've been a witness, you know, f- from both sides, you know, as a fan and as a booth person. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, and as a press person. So I've seen this from three angles, actually. Wow. As a, in the convention. So it's like, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And let's just keep being positive. Let's keep supporting what we love. Yeah. I mean, if you don't look like something, that's okay. You don't need to bash it. Just say it's not for you. Yep. That's yeah. it. Move on. But you know what is for you? Being a great leader. And yep, this is why you need a book like what Gordon and Sai have done here with Leaders Assemble, available now on Amazon. Fuck, let me show you again. Again. Go to tinyurl.com slash Amazon M-C-U. All right? And pick up this book today. It just drop. So you get in that first print. And then when he's at the local convention one of these days, make sure you take that baby and get that nice signature. You know, and, and hold this because this it's going to be a, a very important book, not just a fun book that helps explore, you know, the MCU probably a lot different yeah. than you thought it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're going to gain some valuable knowledge, some valuable insight, and again, that different take on, on, on this fandom. So, yeah. Ty, you know, again, wonderful job to both you and Gordon. Thank you for creating this. Um, I really can't wait to read the full thing. How many pages is this, baby? Uh, I want to say a little under, like one one fifty six. That's nothing. That's not, not too not too many pages. So, uh, but packed full of fun stuff. Packed full of love. That's of tips. what's key. Yeah. You know, the yeah. tips and the fun stuff, and you know, and, and drawing from those examples yeah. of the amazing characters within the MCU and how they could even teach you to be a better leader within these wonderful stories that we've all grown to love. Uh, thank you, Marvel, for do for doing what you do as well. Yeah. Uh, that allowed that allowed you to inspire Sai and Gordon to create such a beautiful book that's available now. And of course, like, if you're a business out there looking to really get insight in, into your workforce, business, culture, everything, bro, right there, I need you guys to go to talentmetrics.io. Talent, T-A-L-E-N-T, metrics, M-E-T-R-I-C-S, dot I-O, the letter I-O, folks. Very simple. 
create that website, see everything that Sai and his company have to offer you, especially if you are a business owner. Um, nowadays, we need this. We need to gauge everyone because there's so many things going on and make sure that your workforce is okay. You know, make sure that they're happy because the happier the workforce, the better your business is going to look. And of course, if you want to just say, give a shout out to Sai and say, I love your book, we need you to follow him on Twitter at I O S Y Islam I S L A M. Yes, all right? Yeah. Follow the big homie. Tell him Comic Crew sent you. You know, and show him the love, buy the book, and the support. Bro, you've been an amazing guest. Thank you for what Thank you've you. done. Thank you for your time. This book is going to be number one in, in no time. I, I know there is. I know it is, all right? So don't you worry about that. Now, folks, you know what to do, right? Follow ComicCrusaders.com everywhere, UndercoverCapes.com. Check out the channels. We got outside the panels, dropping shows every week. Like, like, like the rain, you know, every week he dropping something. Johnny used the machine for real. You know, uh, we got, obviously, um, out, uh, the Friend of Crusade, No Price Podcast. Um, we got so many shows, folks. I can't even name them all. It's just... We have an insane plethora of content from so many people from all over the world, and we're all here to celebrate this beautiful, beautiful fandom we have. You know, so keep it positive, keep it real. I'm your boy, Almega, with the amazing site, Islam. Hasta la próxima, mi gente. Wepa! Thank you for listening to the Comment Crusaders podcast. If you like the content, please subscribe and turn on notifications. Also, please visit ComicCrusaders.com and our extended podcast family over at UndercoverCapes.com. And also, make sure to download the Comic Crusaders app on the Google Play Store today.